0: If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Matthew. Uh, we'll be in chapter 14 today, the first 33 verses. Uh, Matthew 14, 1 to 33. <clears throat> and, uh, wow, this is an amazing passage. Um, so rich so deep uh really i think all of matthew is and um, i'm sure you've noticed this i've been taking big chunks Um, they say the way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time Um, i've been taking really big chunks uh intentionally Um, i think so many times excuse me when we read and study the, the 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 gospels um, we read it in segments or in chunks, um, and it's wonderful. It's great to hear sermons um, that go deep and focus on uh, just a few verses. Um, that's probably the way to go. Um, that's certainly, I think, easier to do. Um, but by taking these um, these big sweeping pictures, I'm hoping that we can see uh, like a beautiful tapestry that Matthew, um, Is so overwhelmed so captivated Uh, he's walked with Jesus he's experienced this story and he's weaving it all together and he wants to show us the strands and so I'm hoping you can see some of the themes um, that are emerging as we we look at bigger chunks and and work through the book of Matthew Um, but before we read our passage uh, I just want to share it's it's been said um, and this really captured me uh, that the gospels, all four of them, are passion narratives, um, passion meaning suffering, uh, passion narratives with extended introductions. And so everything from the beginning is leading up to the cross. Um, Jesus, and through his words, through his deeds, initially gives these faint sketches, um, these outlines. They're very vague um, adumbrations. Uh, of the cross, and as we move toward the cross, these this faint sketch begins to be um, colored in with shadow. Uh, we see a certain darkness uh, come as we work through uh, the gospels, and we come to this place of wow, suffering, um, and uh, the the, sh- the shadows deepen, and then eventually Jesus makes uh, overt, direct declarations. And so um, Jesus is moving towards the cross. And as we walk with him in the Gospels uh, by the Holy Spirit, uh, we too um, walk this path with him and with the disciples. And so uh, it's my prayer this morning that we can capture um, the heart of Jesus uh, as he reveals himself in this chapter. Uh, but we'll focus on uh, three people uh, in, the, in this, this big sweep. Um, there's a... A headless prophet, uh, a heartless king, and the Christ who is worthy of, of everything. And so let's read uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 14. At that time, Herod the tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why. These miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people, because they held him to be a prophet. But... When Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given he sent and had John beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother and his disciples came and took the body and buried it and they went and told Jesus now when Jesus heard this he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go over uh, before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds he went up on the mountain by himself to pray when evening came he was there alone but the boat by this time was a long way off from the land beaten by the waves for the wind was against them and in the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea saw the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out lord save me jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying to him "O you of little faith why did you doubt and when they got into the boat the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying truly you are the son of god the word of the Lord for us today let us pray father we come before you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for your word we thank you for your presence we thank you for your gift uh, that you loved the world so much that you gave your one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life please open our ears uh, this morning that we might hear your voice And please open our hearts that we might receive you, Lord Jesus, and treasure you um, and worship you like these disciples. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, So, wow, an incredible passage. Um, We have uh, the death of John the Baptist. We have the feeding of the 5,000. We have Jesus walking on water and worship. Uh, in the first section here, the death of John the Baptist, um, we see that the fame of Jesus has reached the ears of Herod. Uh, now we should ask, who is Herod? Well, Herod is a heartless king. Um, and really, this is a, almost a strange passage every passage in Matthew up until this point has been focused on the person of Jesus, his words or his work. But here in these 12 verses, uh, we have this shift to a villain. If you will, we have a shift to Herod. Almost every verse talks about Herod or his wife Herodias or her daughter and their evil actions. And so in this passage, these 12 verses, there's a tremendous contrast between Herod and John the Baptist. Herod the heartless king and John the Baptist the headless prophet. The fame of Jesus had reached his ears. Um, But who is Herod? Uh, Herod is the son of Herod the Great, who was not great. Uh, Herod the Great was in chapter 2. He killed the baby boys. Um, He was a terrible man. He was a paranoid man. He had 10 wives. His fourth wife was Herod, the Tetrarch here, Herod Antipas. Uh, That was his mother. And his brother, uh, Herod, here in chapter 14, his brother was killed by his father. Uh, He was a threat to the kingdom. Um, And uh, his brother, other brother, uh, Herod Philip, lots of Herods, I know, um, had a beautiful wife and her name was Herodias. And here Herod Antipas saw her and he thought, I want her, and he took her. Now the big problem with this is that his brother was still alive. And so, and Herod was himself a married man. He was married to uh, a, prince, a princess, a political marriage from modern day Jordan, the Nebeteans. Um, And so he married an Arabian princess And he's a Jewish man. And so you can see he made this oath in marriage uh, to his first wife, but without even getting divorced, he uh, went and and took his brother's wife. And so um, Herod's family, lots of drama. uh, And uh, we see that carrying over in his life. And we're here at a birthday party. which brings us to John and uh, I came across this prayer by Thomas Cranmer uh, which really captures a summary of this passage as well Uh, but a focus not on Herod but on John the Baptist Um, and this is how it reads Almighty God by whose providence thy servant John the Baptist was wonderfully born and sent to prepare the way of thy son our savior by preaching of repentance so in this first part of the prayer um, it talks about his special unique birth of john the baptist his mission as the forerunner uh, prior to the messiah and the content of his message repentance and then he makes a shift in his prayer for us make us so to follow his doctrine and holy life that we may truly repent according to his preaching. And after his example, constantly speak the truth, boldly rebuke vice and patiently suffer for the truth's sake. And so we see here that unlike Herod, we are to repent. Now, something really unique about Herod is he had a complicated relationship with John the Baptist. He liked him. He feared him. In fact, he was really scared. He thought, oh no, I've killed him. And now he's been raised from the dead and he's coming back after me. And he had a complicated uh, relationship with Jesus. Uh, In fact, in Luke 23 when Jesus is on trial, he goes before this Herod and Herod has been inquisitive. He's been curious. He wants Jesus to do some special miracle for him. And Jesus is silent before him. And so here we see that John the Baptist um, is an example for us to follow and Herod is an example for us to absolutely avoid um, a great question for us to ask as we read through Matthew is what does it mean to repent or what does it look like? And I think G- Jesus gives us examples and Matthew shows us examples. Uh, and here we see uh, John the Baptist embodied repentance. But secondly, we're we're exhorted to constantly speak the truth, speak the truth boldly uh, and rebuke vice. Uh, the book of Jude talks about contending for the faith Um, and Jude says I want to come to you and just talk about the talk about the gospel Um, I just want to tell you positive things and celebrate the gospel but he finds it necessary to confront false teaching and um, that is the the call of every Christian is to contend for the faith to both proclaim the gospel but also call out error and to do so in love, in gentleness. But John the Baptist did that. He said back in Leviticus, it says, you shall not marry your uh, person in your family. And this was his sister-in-law that he took. And so everyone knew about this. And it landed uh, John in prison. And it says that John patiently uh, endured. He patiently suffered. For the, for the sake of truth. So an amazing thing about Christianity is that it tells us to love our enemies, but um, it's a really interesting thing. If we think Christianity is only being nice and doing good and helping people, well, nobody, nobody, um, nobody crucified anyone for kindness. Um, but if we start speaking the truth and we have our, if we're married to the truth and and we call out error in this world that is going to ruffle feathers and that is going to make people very uh, upset. And so the truth led to John's death. Uh, This reminds us of Revelation that Jesus speaks to the churches and says be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So. How do we how do we endure to the end? Um, I was talking with Dalal this week, and I said, How do we endure to the end of the age? And she said, Abiel, we don't have to endure to the end of the age, just to the end of our lives. And I said, Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, how do we endure to the end of our lives? How do we persevere in the faith? How do we um, have such a vibrant faith, an uncompromised faith, uh, one where we stand for truth, one where we I mean, it's it's one thing to stand up and say, well, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong in the news. But what about when it's in my family? What about when it's my friend? What if it's in our church? Uh, somebody who's living in sin and everyone knows it. Uh, the churches in the New Testament struggled with this sexual immorality, um, greed, uh, lust, everything that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Herod broke all of this Um, You look at it and you see oaths Jesus talked about and adultery and lust and But then we have John uh, In contrast And this has been said uh, That uh, The death of John is the first passion in the Gospels And so if we look here at verse 12, the only decent thing that happened in the death of John um, was his burial. So his his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. And so in verse 13, Jesus hears of the death of John. Now, um, John was the forerunner for the Messiah, John was Jesus's earthly cousin. Um, Jesus loved John. And so I imagine there's a tremendous amount of grief uh, at the loss of John. But also, if you look, um, jump from verse 13 to verse 22, Jesus has an intense uh, intensity about solitude. He wants to get away. Uh, It says, now when Jesus heard this, Uh, he withdrew in verse 13, verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And in between this uh, sandwich or this inclusio uh, is a more academic term, uh, we have the compassionate heart of Jesus. So Jesus hears about the death of his beloved friend, the forerunner, uh, according to Jesus, the greatest prophet of the whole Old Testament, dead. And I'm sure his disciples told him what happened, this gruesome death. And Jesus wants to grieve, lament, perhaps, but also it might be a, an indicator that his own passion is coming soon. Now, the year in history is, is AD 29. One year later, and it, it's Passover time, it's, it's springtime. One year later, Jesus himself would be walking through his own passion. And we have Passion Week coming up uh, this week, um, starting on Sunday with Palm Sunday. And so we see here that Jesus uh, is deeply contemplative. He he wants to get away. He wants to be with the Father himself alone. But then he's interrupted by a a crowd. And it says in verse 14 that a great crowd showed up. They heard and they came. And what does Jesus do? Um, For me as a teacher, for me as uh, someone who gives, when it's time to rest or it's time for vacation uh, I don't want my students to come like if I'm in the airport and I have my ticket we're getting out of Kuwait we're going to have a holiday if my class comes up and says Mr. Sultan, we need a lesson we need a lesson we need a lesson it's vacation Uh, no 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 Um, or if they did that uh, you know today if, if if we had a zoom class today no, it's Friday, <laughs> we, have, we have the church um, and it's rest. But, but Jesus does something entirely different. He has compassion on the crowds and it says that he heals their sick, all of them. And so Jesus gives to them the, the other uh, gospels. In fact, all four gospels highlight this miracle. It's the only one in detail, the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, Jesus has compassion on the crowds. Um, There's so much happening. The disciples had been on mission. They're exhausted. He wants them to rest. John the Baptist uh, died. Jesus wants to be alone. He's thinking about his own passion, perhaps, but he has compassion, which means to suffer with and he pours out this miraculous compassion on the crowds and it's the power of the this compassion that really points to who jesus is his personhood so that brings us to the christ who is worthy of everything we've seen the headless prophet the heartless king uh herod yeah and now we see the christ and the rest of this this chapter is all about who jesus is He has authority over creation, and this authority points to him as the creator. So he tells his disciples that um, the crowds do not need to go away. And then in verse 19, he orders the crowds to sit down, and taking five loaves, two fish, he looks up to heaven and said, A blessing. Perhaps it was the uh, Jewish blessing, um, if I remember correctly, something like, "Blessed art thou, O Lord, God of the the universe, who bringeth forth bread from the earth." Well, then he takes the bread and he breaks it, and he gives it to the disciples, and he feeds the crowds, and they're satisfied and there's five thousand men and and women and children also so probably fifteen twenty. Uh, thousand people maybe even 24,000 people and we're not meant to read this and think oh yeah I know this story we're meant to think what like this is incredible absolutely incredible Jesus he very much is a man he very much gets tired and he was hungry and he thirsted Uh, we saw that verse 4 and up until this point we saw uh, in, in chapter 8 and 9 the power and the authority of Jesus to heal and he cleansed the leper and he forgave sins And he raised the dead and he healed the lady with the issue of blood But here we see Jesus feed not just you know a few but thousands and thousands of people with very little and and what we're meant to see here is that the the parallel between God in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament. This should remind us of Exodus 16, when the people were hungry and complaining and God gave them manna, which stands for what is it? What is it? It's this honey cake bread that they had and were sustained for 40 years. Instead of asking what is it, this bread, we're, we're asked We're we're to ask, who is it? Who is this person who feeds so many out of just a few loaves? And John chapter 6 really gives us the interpretive key. What does this all mean? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that came down from heaven. And Jesus is the one who uh, ultimately satisfies our every longing physically, emotionally, spiritually. We only are sustained by his life. And by relationship to him and so if that's not enough um, Matthew wants us to see Jesus's words and his deeds at the end of this section here and so Jesus walks on the water but first he prays he goes up to the mountain by himself to pray and then he comes down and uh, he walks on the water Now, it's the fourth watch of the night, so it's the same time uh, that Dave and Mary, that you're experiencing right now. It's, uh, I don't know, like really early in the morning. Um, So (laughs) he probably dismissed the crowd crowd around 6 p.m. The fourth watch of the night is between 3 and 6 a.m. So Dave and Mary, you got the perspective. You can hear how loud it is. the 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 wind the waves are just and that's why i I was yelling when i I was i was trying you know reading and yelling um because can you hear the conversation and it's amazing that jesus continues to talk to them and then the most amazing miracle i mean it's all amazing walking on water peter walking on water um and then it says they got into the boat verse 32 and the wind ceased Then they could have a quiet, calm conversation. But there was silence and they were awestruck. And it says they worshipped him. Verse 33, those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Uh, I mean, imagine this day. Imagine this day. Jesus just fed 5,000 plus people. And now he walks on water. He saves us. We have nothing to say, but we just fall down. Uh, well, we have one thing to say. <laughs> Truly, you are the Son of God. And so um, for us this week, um, I want us to, you know, we're moving into Passion Week. And this is, you know, the Passion, the first Passion of John. John the Baptist died. And um, remember Jesus' words. Uh, that's, that's something that I always try to do every year at this time of year. Reflecting on the Gospels, reflecting on his last week. Um, He said this about persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you and they persecuted John the Baptist in like manner. Last week we saw the power of the kingdom that Jesus gave kingdom vision um, that we are to understand, to listen and to, to act gently in this world patiently Uh, for the gospel is a powerful. It's a powerful little gospel. Um, like a seed that grows and it's worth everything and so we are to respond as these disciples did with worship and and so I want to leave you uh, this morning with what happened in 30 AD the week of Jesus passion on this day Um, Friday before Passion Week Jesus was with his friends uh, in his dear friends Lazarus uh, Mary and Martha in Bethany and they were celebrating <laughs> Lazarus was alive he'd been raised from the dead and something happens here and uh, we can look at it in Matthew um, his account it's in Matthew 26 verses 6 to 13 uh, but this is an indicator that his burial is coming as well so Matthew 26 um, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. And she poured it on his head, and as he reclined at table, and when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me for you always have the poor with you but you will not always have me in pouring this ointment on my body she has done it to pre- to prepare for me for burial truly i say to you wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world what she has done will also be told in memory of her let's pray Gracious God, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much uh, for the cross. Thank you that Jesus came uh, down from heaven like he came down from the mountain. And he rescued us in the midst of a storm of sin. Um, And when we cry out on the name of the Lord, Lord, save us, we will be saved. And so please help us to repent. Help us to turn to Christ in the midst of this storm that we endure, have been enduring this year, and the storms deep in our hearts that perhaps no one else knows about but us and you. Let us find the healing hand of Jesus that when we cry, Jesus, you grab us by the hand and lift us up. And you calm the storm and you speak to us about our faith and you want us to grow. But Lord, we thank you that as we grow in this journey that we sometimes you open our eyes to really grasp who you are and we can worship you. And so I pray that we would remind one another about who you are, that you would walk with us this week as we reflect on your last week on earth of your earthly ministry. Thank you, Jesus, that you are seated, that you are raised from the dead, that you are praying for us, that you care for our church. Um, In a physical body, Um, Jesus, you are truly man and you are truly God and you are worthy of our worship. What a mystery. And so I just pray that you would sustain us and keep us to the end, to the end of our lives. Uh, Help us to be faithful unto death and you will give us the crown of life. Oh, please help us to be like John the Baptist, um, to be uncompromising, to stand for the truth, and to be a witness in this world, to be different, to be salt, to be light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.